Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing, where we share real recovery stories, learn from experts, and share resources that actually work. So join us in being unashamed and unafraid. Chris. What up, Steve? We're in the studio, baby. Woo! New studio, excited about that. So, um... This one, uh, I call them all bangers, but this one, it's going to be a banger, but for me, it's tender. Oh, absolutely. Love these guys. Love their hearts. So excited that we finally have them here. So these are folks we've known for a long time, Caitlin and Corbin. Uh, Caitlin is our administrative director. Right. And I know you would think that everyone we have on the Unashamed team just jumps on and shares their story right out the gate. That's not true. Not true. We still have people that have been on the team for a long time and haven't shared. Uh, talking to my friend in Arizona who might have a name that starts with C and ends in an Ori. Um, so this one's going to be tender. I'm calling it right now. Worth a listen. Let's jump in. Let's jump in. Oh, my gosh. They're here. Turns out. <laughs> Corbin, what's up, homie? How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm good. Glad to be here. I hear you're pregnant. I <laughs> am not. We are, though. <laughs> Good call. Caitlin? I'm pregnant. You? you are pregnant. <laughs> Official, how far along? 28 weeks. So third trimester. Yay. Almost done. And you know what you're having? Yep, a little boy. Who Named yet? We've got a list. Steven, Steven. is obviously <laughs> high on the list. Steven and Jeremy are runners. The 11th <laughs> on the list. Ele- I'm not even top 10? <laughs> Come on, bro. So, um... Tell us the story, and and where I want to start is, I want to start with you, friend. So, uh, Corbin, when for you were you like, oh, this is a problem? Like leading up to it, or like at what age was it a problem? Like, yeah, when when did you first have like the cognitive experience, like the thought, talk to yourself, like this is a problem. I've got a problem. Oh, I'd probably say I was probably anywhere between 9 and 12 would be my best guess. Um, a little difficult to put an exact number on it, um, but I think definitely that age is So, what So what was happening that, was it that you saw porn, going back to it? Like, what was it that was happening that made you be like, no, no, this is a problem as opposed to like a mistake or a moment? Yeah. Um, I think at that time it was a problem mainly because like it was like myself, um, looking at porn, masturbating, right? Like, and it was, um, all to myself. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, it was a problem that I had hidden, right? And I was, um, you know, doing all I could to keep it hidden at the time. But then also I had that, uh, part of my brain that, uh, I knew something wasn't right, right? I I wanted to stop, you know, and then I had that part of me that wanted the addiction. So, so um, why did you need to hide it? Um, I was just scared of what what would happen if people found out, you know, whether that was church leaders, parents, grandparents, raised all, in church, all the above. Yes. Give us the two second on that. Uh, super active family growing up. Um, Latter Day Saints. Latter Day Saints. Kay. Yes. Um, I mean, pretty much just your basic church going kid, you know, I tried to do the best I could, 
um, stay worthy, you know, past segment, all that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, I think the only thing that was maybe different, right? We got sealed in the temple a little later than most. Um, and that was because my dad was working on some addictions himself, um, mainly chewing, um, but in his earlier years, tobacco, drink, yep, tobacco, yep, fun, yep, yep. And, um, drinking a two, not at that time, but in his past as well. So he's working on that. Um, and so that's pretty much how church was for me. I mean, just everything you can imagine, I guess. Yep. And grown up life for you, Caitlin. Um, grew up in the church. Um, unbeknownst to me, my parents were in the thick of it all growing up. Um, my dad struggled with his own addiction. I had no idea. The family had no idea for the longest time. But we went to church. On the outside, everything looked good. I thought it was good for a long time. I had a good relationship with God, kind of just oblivious to the real world at that point. So you just had your like own testimony of who God was? Yeah. How you saw him, how he saw you? Yeah. So what was that like in growing up years? If I, if I were to ask, you know, 14, 15-year-old Caitlin, like, God, give me the download, what would she say? I think I had a really good relationship with God. It's much different now, um, but I kind of viewed it as I have to earn his love. I have to be good enough. Don't screw up. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, seeing, like, my peers and everything doing worldly things, I really tried to stay away from that. And so I think I kind of put some perfection on myself, you know, to not be a burden to the family, to not do anything I wasn't supposed to do. So was that more expected of you or something that you just put on yourself or was that modeled for you? Did it get said out loud or Um, was it the unspoken contract? I think it was kind of both. My mom was, you know, married to an addict and... She tried to fill all those holes, and so I think I kind of saw that myself or do all these things, you know, don't leave anything undone. And so and I was always told by her, like, everybody needs a Caitlin in their life. And so then I was just like, I have to measure up to this. I can't mm-hmm. disappoint. Yeah. yeah. God for you growing up, man. I don't know if I could honestly say that I had a good relationship with God but I wanted to. I think I was more kind of like lost on where to start, right? I think part of why I did all the things I should um, was striving for that. And, you know, I'm still working on it. And there was times when I did feel his presence, right? And I remember those times. But unlike Caitlin, you know, I can't say I was super close, you know, struggled with things and felt like that affected it. Don't worry, Chris and I are still working on it, too, so you're in good company. <laughs> yep. So, how'd you meet? Go for it, babe. Um, That's the classic, the look at each other. <laughs> like, Who's going to say it? You can do it, or I can do it. Like, which version <laughs> of the story do they want? I'll go kind of in-depth. You can stop me if it's a little too in-depth or whatever. But You're great. Um, it was, like, I believe two weeks after my mission. Where are you going on your mission? Uh, Dallas, Texas. Stay tight. What up? Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> Are you a Cowboys fan? No. <laughs> I'm not really. I am. I'm not we can really, continue uh, the recording, everyone. <laughs> we can continue the recording. So, yeah, I got back from Dallas April of 2020. Came back. 
like three months early due to COVID. Anyway, two weeks after I got home, took a little family weekend. We went up to the cabin lot up uh, Canyon nearby, and we all ended up going on a four-wheeler ride, side-by-sides, things like that. And um, I was riding with my aunt and uncle, and their friends were up at their cabin at the time, and so we swung by and said hi. And somewhere in the mix, I talked to her aunt. I still don't remember. Our aunt's her friends. So yeah, our aunt's her friends. So that's why they see. stopped by. Um, aunt, does she have a name or does she want to stay anonymous in this? We'll just stay anonymous. We'll yeah. give, give <laughs> her, Nobody give will her know. Like, hashtag, you know, hitch credit if you're looking for <laughs> a match. They get it enough. <laughs> um, aunt, wherever Caitlin's aunt, find her, she'll hook you up. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I don't remember talking to her at all, but she then reached out to i believe wait you wait you and i are gonna high five the first time you met your future wife to be mm-hmm. you don't remember no, talking no no no, to no, 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 no. <laughs> not her not her i don't remember talking to her he aunt. talked to my aunt i talked to her aunt. Ah, and word got okay. back to oh, me okay. okay i met this cute <laughs> okay, return aunt. missionary yeah, yeah. and so, then. so that word spread uh, i knew he was a better guy than me this whole time <laughs> so that's uh, yeah, so Kayla I Kayla and I were like a love at third sight. That's why I said. <laughs> well, Autumn said that we took two two weeks to kiss after we got engaged, and I'm like, "You're crazy! Why would I wait two weeks?" Yeah, but didn't you get engaged her. on like your first date? On first date, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Impressive. So, so <laughs> you're yeah. like, whatever. I talked to some random lady. Yeah, cool. you know, I didn't think of think of it at all at the time, yeah. um, and then later found out that she had spread the word to Caitlin's mom, and then. Things started rolling. Caitlin reached out to me on Instagram. Okay, wait. I got to pause you. And that's so you're that's chilling where she with your fam, over. and mom walks up and is like, "My sister <laughs> talked to her friend who has a nephew that you sound just like Jane." <laughs> <laughs> Sorta. I think word got to grandma, and grandma can't keep a secret. So then it got to my mom and got to me. There's this cute return missionary, and so I looked him up. Yeah, reached yeah. out. I was like, and are you, you thought, so-and-so? And you thought, he is cute. Yeah. I had to make sure he was tall enough, but he passed. <laughs> <laughs> so she reaches out, and you're like... Yeah, I mean, we just <laughs> started talking, set up a date for, I think, what, the next week? Yeah. Um, And that date was a four-wheeler ride with, with her brother, Jarrett. He tagged along, did a little double date. And he was then, just making sure you're going to take care of yeah, the sister. <laughs> yeah, and his dad wouldn't let me drive his truck yet, so <laughs> he had to drive it. But yeah, after that, it just, I mean, we started dating more and more, and I think we made it official. I mean, she could tell you all the dates, but what, a couple weeks after that? Yeah. Pushing a month, probably. So first yeah. date, second yeah, date, so you're like, hey, I got this problem. In May of 2020, and then we started dating in June. Oh, like right after the got, yeah. yeah. Got engaged in September and married in December. Sweet. And I was still in high school when we met. So, 18, 20-something. Uh, yeah, I would have been... 21? 2021? 2021? I don't know. Yeah. 2021, yeah. get meaning. So, at that injuncture, why'd you marry him? Why did I marry him or, like, how yeah. did it go No, like, why, why, why did, why did you, you like, marry him? Why did you choose to marry him? Um, After he told me about his struggle with porn and masturbation how long are you guys how long were you guys dating at that time it had only been about a month of officially dating wait so a month in you're just like i gotta get this off my chest <laughs> or she's like hitting you up no i i think mainly in my head it was like i want to make sure 
she knows, knows like I don't want her to waste her time dating me if this is going to be a deal breaker kind of thing which this is a common experience with with people in recovery right because mm-hmm. they're like I don't want to get my heart all engaged and then be like oh by like the disclosure is hard yeah can be hard right so you're just like I'm just going for it and if that's yeah problem, I was just hoping for the best yeah so you're just on another four-wheeler ride one night and you're <laughs> like hey by the way close kind of actually uh no we did a little date up the canyon went and watched the sunset and things it was that day it right? wasn't that no day. it wasn't that day <laughs> but it was a good day he gave me that night so he good said dating like advice good dating advice yeah. up the canyon see a sunset you might end up getting married yeah good advice okay so so that night he had mentioned there's some things i've had to meet with the bishop about i just bishop like pastor ecclesiastical yeah, leader person. yeah yeah anyway. i was like okay and didn't think much of it and then later we had gone on a long drive up north and on our way back i could tell there was something on his mind he was Nervous. More nervous than I've ever seen him. And I think I knew he was what he was going to tell me, but he told me he struggled with porn and masturbation. And I was just overcome with so much love for him in that moment. No, like, hesitation in my mind, no worry, no doubt, just pure love for him. And I think I owe that to my dad because about two, three months before then is when he came forward about his addiction to the family and so I was kind of prepared for it I think and dad coming forward was like hey I'm running off with the affair partner nice to know you guys or hey I've been working this recovery and I want to tell you about it what was that experience at that point he and my mom had been doing their own recovery none of us kids really knew about knew what it was for and so then at that point is when they came forward and kind of told us everything okay so how did that show up because this is all happening when you're 18. So when we checked in with 15-year-old you, you were like, life's great. I'm naive, whatever. Like, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I'm assuming part of that naive or that worldview changed when mom and dad are like, hey, here's some math for you. So how did that change your worldview, your perspective? Did that have a big effect on you? Not? I think it was hardest when I didn't know the truth before they came forward because I could see the fighting, you know, the mm. sleeping on the couch, you know, and you knew something was up. Something was up. And at that point, my older brother was on his mission and I really turned to him just something's going on with mom and dad. I don't mm. know if they're going to get a divorce. I don't know what's happening. And so then when they came forward about it, that's I was able to connect the dots. But at that point, I could see them in recovery and I had a feeling it was going to work out. They were headed in the right direction. So I wasn't totally distraught. So when he tells you what's going through your mind is? Um, my first thing I did was came home and told my parents, this is what Corbin told me. And my mom said, he's giving you a choice. Is this what you want? And I knew without a doubt that any guy I would date would more than likely struggle with this. But were they going to be honest? I didn't know. But Corbin was. And I knew that he was worth the fight and worth whatever we were going to go through. And so then the next time we were together, we sat down with my parents. And I think that was pretty intimidating for him. You act like your dad's an intimidating guy. Uh, just a little bit. <laughs> He's just a bear. P.S. like six. Five. At least. Six, five or six, six. Six, twelve. <laughs> um, and last time I went to the gym with him, he's benching like... 330 something and he's 
50 now or whatever no no your dad right i know your dad <laughs> and uh member of the unashamed team and all that right yeah but like ex like former cop like on the you no know, yeah so the dude's yo that's <laughs> yes you yeah we can see why you're <laughs> We're intimidated. Yeah, I mean, on my uh, side, you know, I told her, and I don't know if it was a couple of days later or what, but she's like, hey, if you want to, my parents said that they would talk to you, right? And, and you're like, totally. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, that's what I said. But then internally, secrets. yeah, I was kind of freaking out a little so bit. So did you tell him that your parents had a story? Yeah, on that same drive when he told me, I was like, you know, my dad struggles, my brother does. And so I was like, you're not alone in this that's so, cool it probably eased it a little bit for you as well yeah i think so going still it. i mean still a little nervous but but yeah so there's a couple paradigms that i feel like you're just shattering right now that is different than the public belief so i i just want to uh, particularly for you because i think a lot of people could look at your story i think of like a cynical version of me and be like she's 18 she didn't know she's just like whatever like i you know play whatever taylor swift song here <laughs> like i'm in love do the whole thing and uh but like you went from everything in my family is perfect my job is to be perfect and i'm dating a return missionary because my aunt said there's a good boy <laughs> return missionary for me to i don't know if my parents are getting divorced i'm reaching out to my brother on his mission turns out he struggles my brother struggles and my boyfriend just told me that he struggles too and the words i hear you describing that experience are worth fighting for love safe explain that to me because it sounds like the opposite should have been true yeah like that you should be sitting here on the verge of tears being like and that's when my whole world blew up yeah so how did that experience happen for you that I mean, because we'll, your experience is your experience, right? Like, it really happened. You were there. Yeah. So, like, how did how does that math add up to that? Um, I think it goes back to, like, my relationship with God when I was younger is I always felt super close to him and just really trusted in his plan. And so I think at this point I just, I mean, I don't know the future, what it holds, but I trusted that he holds my future and he wouldn't put me in the situation if it wasn't going to benefit me in some way. And I think it, granted, I was 18. I don't, I mean, I'm not much older now, but I was in denial of some things, but I think I understood what I was getting myself into. And in our relationship specifically, we hadn't quite gotten to that, the hardest parts yet in regards to his addiction. But at that point, I think it was just a lot of faith in God, knowing that I met this guy for a reason that my parents went through this for a reason and mm. it was going to work out in one way or another. And you could see Corbin for who he really was, mm -hmm. which is awesome. But so you're telling me you would have rather known. Oh, 100%. <laughs> well, cause I just think, so I'm, I'm putting like, I've been in your shoes, right? Like yeah. I'm there. So I'm the guy that lied about it cause I was too afraid and I thought everyone would hate me. So I just didn't. Right. And so, I, I just think that feels so unnatural or the opposite of what when we're in our shame and in recovery would think like if I tell her she's going to hate me, the worst is going to happen. And, and some people have, have had that experience, right, where that where that does happen. But I think you speaking about your faith and where you were so telling of what your experience was. What was the experience like for you? From what point? From you're nervous and you're like, hey, <clears throat> take it or leave it. This is where I'm at. 
What did you think she was going to do? Oh, man. Like, had you told other girls and then they decided not to date you because of it? There's only one other that I told that I was dating in high school. She lost. Yeah. And Big time. That was, yeah, <laughs> that, was just, that was just kind of a uh, just high school. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, I had told her, but other than that, you know, just my mom. Right. And obviously, I didn't really tell her too much, right? Sure. With this, I was just, like she said, I was super nervous. I had been thinking about it all day, wondering if I should do it tonight. You know, all this stuff's going through my head. And then I finally decide that, yes, I'm going to tell her, right? And it took me several minutes to, like, get it out. You know, just so worried that, because at this point, like, I knew I wanted to date her more and, like, was hoping it was going towards marriage, you know. And I just didn't want this to be the thing to screw it up. Mm-hmm. And so it did take me a while to get it out. And Did I, you go to God before you did that, or did you not have that faith or trust in God yet? I think I was kind of struggling at the time with that relationship. From off the top of my head, I don't remember doing that. I just felt like that's what I needed to do. Which, looking back, like, obviously he had his hand in it. Yeah, um, guiding you. Yeah. You know, even though I wasn't looking for him specifically. Yeah, I just, I think I kind of just surface level, you know, hey, I struggle with pornography, masturbation, maybe a generalization of how long, right? And that was about it. Like, I got it off my chest and, you know, went from there. So, was your thought process like, if I tell her if she knows that that's going to help me not have a problem or... I think I'm just always going to have a problem, so she better know what she's signing up for. Or what was your thought process leaving that conversation? I think the main thing was I want her to know, right, be honest about it. The other portion of that, too, is, like, I don't want this to be a problem forever, Mm -hmm. right? I want to take care of it. Um, Didn't quite know what to do at the time. Yeah, and so I was just getting it out there off my chest, like, Part of it, too, is probably just to feel better, like, okay, she knows. Now it's in her court to decide what she's right. doing. Right? Yeah, I'm not deceiving her. Yeah. Uh-huh. For sure. So uh, you go to meet the future in-laws. How was that? <laughs> I think they sat me down in uh, Jeremy's big chair, right? This is like a recliner for three, <laughs> pretty much. It's a good chair. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't remember the exact things we talked about, you know, just I'm sure we talked about recovery and just like a bit of his story, you know, their story, um, what they're, what they've been doing, all the stuff that in my mind, right. You you think 12 step and you're like, oh, I don't want to be anywhere near that. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I know the church does this. If somebody in my ward sees me there, I'm, I'm done. Right. Everybody knows at that point. And, and guess what? They're in the same boat. Yeah. They're in there with you. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, at the time, that's what I was thinking, you know. I think he, if I'm remembering right, you or Jeremy invited me to um, a 12-step meeting with him. And I accepted right. to go. But internally, I was very, like. Scared. Yeah, yeah scared. I was like, I do not want to go to this. Maybe a little bit of, I don't think I need to go to this, right? I think at that point, you're kind of doing it for me. Just like she wanted me to talk to her parents, so I'm going to do it for her. Yeah, I don't want to screw up that part of it, too. (laughs) Sure, 
Sure. Uh, so um, you said something that I want to go back to, uh, Caitlin, when you said disclosure I went super well. You know, I feel like I was already heard it, connective, right, worth fighting for. He said, but we didn't get to the most difficult parts of our relationship yet. So take me to that. <laughs> Let's fast forward to the most difficult part. The first, I'd say, six months of our marriage was rough. Looking back at it, we were both super unhealthy. We lived in the same town that he grew up in, so he was around all his high school buddies, you know, right close to my in-laws, which love them, but you need your space when you're first married. Totally. And so he was still in the high school mindset. We actually lived in his best friend's basement, his parents' basement. So they were often out doing what high school guys would do because that's still the mindset they're in. And I'm struggling with just feeling very betrayed, very left behind. There was one night in particular I was having a very bad panic attack. And, of course, he was out with his buddy riding wheelers. And he knew I wasn't happy when he left but he still left and I was at home alone felt so alone and he was nowhere to be found and that's how it was for a lot of those six months living there was he would tell me he had slipped up I'd be mad we wouldn't really talk he'd go out with his buddy and it was just kind of just that cycle not really dealing with it just Hey, I'm having this issue and I'm out. Yeah. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, yep, yeah, she nailed it. So how'd you get out of the cycle? Um, was it pre boot camp, after boot camp? I'd say before boot camp it started getting better for sure. Um hashtag warriorheart.com. Yeah. Go to boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> um you know, it's just gotten better from there. Uh I think moving Wait, but I'm gonna be the person listening that's like BS. Y'all are like at throws. You're this young married couple. You're wheeling with your buddies being like, sorry, babe, I looked up porn again, but uh, yeah, we'll talk later. You're feeling like totally alone, like doing this marriage. What's going, whatever's going through your head and enough that you're having a panic attack and you just like, I don't know. We just got out <laughs> as someone in recovery. I'm like, I want to know how you did it. I think moving away from our families, from his hometown, was really the best thing for us because it forced us to talk to each other, spend more time together. Grow up a little bit. Yeah. Well, so how did you move? Were you like, dude, we're out of here? Or how, like, how did that happen? It was honestly kind of just, it was rough with my best friend being there. I was having a hard time with that. And kind of clashing between us and his parents. And I just kind of created a mess, decided it would be best to move out. But also a big factor of it was to save money because her grandma had offered, hey, you can stay with me, right? We've got an extra room. So that's what we did. We went and lived with her for a while. Well, but the, there's something beautiful about that, though. And, and this because I've been on this kick for a minute right now. Like sometimes the interventions that help us best in recovery are really organic, like I'm pro like everyone go to a therapy workshop, do therapy, go to 12 step. I'm pro like all of the intervention things, but often like some of the most profound moments are just the organic interventions in our life. Yeah. And 
you know, maybe that sounds too simple, but was it something different than that or that was it? I think we moved there to my grandma's and then we moved further away for him to go to school. And, and then at that point he had gone to boot camp. I had gone to heart of a woman. I had gone to therapy. He had gone on and off. Um, and I think then we really were like, we don't want this forever. And so it was kind of more motivation to get in recovery and figure something out. What did you not want forever? The roller coaster. Mainly the roller coaster I was causing, right? Just, you know, white knuckling it for a few months, right? Screw up, tell her, and kind of restart, you know? I mean, that still happens, but the things I've learned, like, through the time that we've been married so far, like, and I apply them, right? Like, it helps a lot to be able to to rebound, to prevent, to grow from those experiences. I don't know if I can put, like, words to it, but just, like, I just feel like we're so much happier when I compare to our first apartment and our first six months. Yeah. So been married how long now? Three years. Three years. And then, uh, so if, if we were to go t- to give people some context, so height of addiction, you're looking at porn how often? Oh, I was probably talking to you, what, maybe every other week, maybe a month, somewhere around there. And today what it looks like is? Kind of varies. Probably six to eight months plus. So sobriety is different, but you're describing more of like an emotional process. So what's been different for you? Because this is also uh, like, spoiler alert, like it's not just about sobriety. I know some people who are super sober and very unhappy in their relationship. And so, right. And so, yes, totally sobriety. Absolutely. It's a really good thing. All of the stuff. But what, because you're saying you're happier and the dude's still looking at porn. So help me understand that. Um, going to therapy for myself was the best thing I could have done. Um, it really helped me to see that his addiction wasn't my fault, wasn't my problem. Mm-hmm. So when he would come to me and say, hey, I slipped up today, I did this, I wouldn't need to take that upon myself to fix. Mm-hmm. Um, I had boundaries where I would listen to him, we'd discuss it, and then he would sleep on the couch that night or you know, whatever it was for me to feel comfortable and safe. And then we'd continue to talk about it, you know, and he was, it got to the point where I was like, this is on you. You have to work your own recovery. I can't do it. And so. So you weren't internalizing it. Oh, it's because I'm not doing certain things or I'm not doing enough. Yeah. Had nothing to do with that. I was for the first part of our marriage, but then where we're at now, it's a lot better. So what was what's been different for you? Well, just first off to say like her saying that, like how the therapy helped her. Like looking back, I can totally tell when that kicked in, right? Mm. Like I mm-hmm. would tell her and it was more like, okay, what are you going to do about it, right? Not so much thing, so many things falling apart at the time. Um but for me, it's been slow progress. You know, and it's kind of off and on a little bit. I think 
something that has helped a lot is boot camp. Just that, you know, that connection with God and remembering like to have adventure, right? To basically live my life, right? Not mm-hmm. as I as I was living in my addiction, you know, I I isolate and I stop doing the things that I love doing. Right? And we had a conversation the other night, you know, I started working out again and I've felt so good recently. Yeah. You know, I've been sleeping more because of that. But in turn it just helps me be in such a better mood and better mentality to process the things that are going on. Um so I, honestly it's just like a combination of things like and people in my life that are willing to help and stories listening to so, things so give like us that. the secret sauce of that so if i'm someone listening and i'm like uh, okay whatever you're more connected in your life or alive and i'm like i don't know what the crap he's talking about like how do i what's the what's the secret sauce for you that's had the slow growth happen honestly just like it's hard in the moment to see the growth and the change but i've never stopped wanting to change mm-hmm. right that is my ultimate goal, my how I want to end my life, right? I don't ever want to get to a point where I stop or I give up. Mm-hmm. I've kind of gotten to the point where in my head I realize that and understand and accept that I'm never going to do this perfectly, but I feel more drive and motivation throughout my life and day to to know hey i need to take this one day at a time i need to you know for like an example i try and focus less on like the big picture and more on little pieces of myself that i want to change which again what little piece are you trying to change right now i think uh physically right now is one of my main focuses and I, like I've said, I felt great so far. Uh, it's been kicking my butt. Doing what? Uh, it's a program through an app okay. designed for hunters to get you in shape for the mountains. Oh, okay, And cool. so it's been pretty grueling. Um, and I kind of hate doing it in the moment, but then I walk away and I feel good. Like, I feel accomplished. And I was telling Caitlin the other day, like, I think that's one of the biggest things that helps me with that mm. is I walk away that day knowing that I accomplished something hard. And mentally, that tells myself, hey, guess what? You do something hard every single day. Why not do something hard to help in recovery, right? Like, this is hard too, but so was that workout you did today. Totally. Love that. So just to encapsulate that, like, there was like a woof that kind of can't because you're kind of a quiet guy you know but there's like a that came you feel you see what i'm talking did you yep. feel it <laughs> yeah right? you know what i'm talking she's somebody she's like i know it i do it all the time <laughs> but um that that came in that you're like i'm never going to quit like i don't want to be the person that quit on that does she know that like do you ever tell her that i don't know about like in those directly? exact words well i mean you could right now she's sitting here yeah definitely could would you like me to? <laughs> I think she. That's would, up to you. I think she would like <laughs> you to. Caitlin, I just want you to know that even though I've put you through a lot of hard things, a lot of times, and it's been a lot of repeats, I can tell you for one hundred percent that 
I will never stop trying to progress and get better because I want to be better for you and for our family. And I want to be a better person that, you know, God can use me in other people's lives. I just want you to know that I will never stop. I love you. Love you too. I'm proud of you. What's awesome about that is that that we should all have that. Just being married and always being like, you know what, I will always fight for you. I will always do whatever I can to become better and become a better man, become a better spouse, become a better father. Um, just always working on becoming better because if we get complacent, that's when those addictions can come back in and take over the marriage. Well, I mean, it kind of sounds like you. <laughs> take him to the next fireside with you. Secret sauce. Because you said it so casually. Like, yeah, you know, I just went to therapy and I learned it was his problem, not mine, and sort of that and let that go. But for you, what's the secret sauce? What's been the secret sauce of recovering healing? I think... Like I said before, when he first told me about his addiction and I just had pure love for him, every time he's come forward, you know, about a slip up or whatever, yes, it stings in the moment, but I always, always see the real Corbin, who he really is, who God designed him to be. And so I think keeping that mindset of this addiction isn't him, that's not who I married, that's not my forever and recognizing that I married him for a reason. I chose him for a reason. That's when we, that's when we felt that whew, come into yeah. the room mm-hmm. with you. Right. So do you tell him that all the time? <laughs> he <laughs> says, yes, <laughs> I tried to. Cause you could tell him right now. I mean, I'm happy that you told us and told everyone, <laughs> but you could tell him. I'm so proud of the man that you fight to be every day for the way that you fight for my heart and for the motivation that you have to be better and to change for yourself to be the man that God designed you to be because I know that man's pretty freaking awesome and I'm lucky I married him. And that I get to go through this journey with him. And I'm proud of you for doing the hard work. Thanks, babe. Are these guys beautiful or what? And I think <laughs> I think that, Chris, is how you work recovery. Yep. So as you guys know, we always go out with a song. So if you had a song that was a representation of this journey that the two of you have been on. That was like the hardest part of preparing for this was figuring out what song. song. I want this song. (laughs) The one we finally settled on was Wholehearted, and I can't remember who it's by, but... We Are Messengers. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's it. Yeah, Yeah. that one. So, um, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Coming on here, being vulnerable. Great to get you on this side of things when you're always on the back side of things. Yes. And so, uh, and I think you guys are just a great example of... Like, y'all are regular people, but so special. Like, any of us regular people can totally work recovery and have the miracles and the love that you guys just shared here. So thank you so much for sharing that, at least in this moment with us. 
Thanks for having us on. Yeah, we're of glad course. to be here. So yeah. You can uh, find us on social media at Unashamed and Afraid. Subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Give us five stars on iTunes. That's where the whole world uh, hears us. Um, we've got scholarships. So if you're wondering, like, what's going on with this boot camp or heart of a woman thing that she mentioned, go to our website, unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships and apply. And if you want to help us uh, continue to spread this message and this movement with people and join us for the bonus content, we'll ask about Baby Boy and some other questions we didn't get to <laughs> in the episode. Um, we invite you to donate. Go to unashamedunafraid.com slash donate, and you can donate there and become an outsider. And outsiders are those who are bold, accepted, and unashamed, who are part of this movement, helping us make all of this happen, from the recording to having people here to funding those scholarships. So we're a nonprofit, so all of it goes into that bucket of being a nonprofit. And until we're able to be with you again, we invite you to continue to be unashamed. Got a lot in my past Got a lot on my mind There's a lot of things I want back There's a lot of me I don't like But I call Just as I am to you And I know Just what you're gonna do When I need grace You give it all Bridges have been burned. You make another way. When everyone is leaving, I can see that you're the one who sticks around. Everything I needed, I can see it. You're still the one who's reaching out when I need grace. to run you don't hold back you don't hold back not ashamed of the things i've done you don't hold back you don't hold back your love is not afraid to run you don't hold back you don't hold back not ashamed of the things i've done i need grace yeah when i need grace